what we're going to start today is actually going to be what I'm, I'm kind of calling three keys or maybe three healthy habits for relationships. Uh, there's a lot of healthy habits out there. So yeah, there we go. Healthy habits for relationships. Nice little graphic that I whipped together this morning, right? Um, as many of you know, uh, Jen and I, we were doing a marriage ministry for how many years? I don't know. She says too many. <laughs> if you've ever done marriage ministry, amen. Um, so, now we, we did that for a few years, uh, officially, you know, with those, that title on it. Um, and it was interesting. But I've been in some pastoral capacity for 13 years now. Yeah, it, it doesn't seem that way. 2008. It was 2008 that wow. Pastor Colleen officially gave me the title of pastor. I think my first sermon was in 2007, so I'd been preaching a little bit before then. Uh, and then she brought me on as assistant pastor. And I've been lead pastor for seven years, almost seven years. I think it was 2014. So it's, I, I've been doing this for a minute. And one thing about pastoring is another term would be shepherding. You have to deal with people. You often have to deal with people's problems. And you have to try to shepherd them and help them through the problems. And what I've come to find out that the biggest problem that we all face is relationships. It, it just is. It, it doesn't necessarily have to be our marriages. It can be our friendships. It can be our family relationships. It can be employer-employee relationships. Honestly, uh, for anybody that's in any form of like management, that's often a big headache because there's such turnover with people, and as soon as you get used to one person's you know, personality and this relationship dynamic, then they're out the door moving on to something else, or they get promoted, or whatever the case is, and then you have to deal with somebody new, and you have to try to adapt to that. And you know, Kids have this oftentimes with their teachers, you know, and not just kids, but you get you know, the young adults when they go off to college, because now you've got all these different teachers and people that are trying to tell you this and tell you that. And, and it's like, as soon as you get comfortable with one way of learning, all of a sudden the rules change and well, now we've got a new teacher and there's these relationship problems. And over and over and over again, I see so many issues with relationships and yet the Bible actually has some pretty simple, effective rules to govern relationships. When I'm talking about like series that I'm working on, here's going to be a fun one. You guys are used to me doing like three, four, five week series. Well, here in the fall, we're actually going to do a 10 week series. I'm going to burn you out on this, but it's going to be on the 10 commandments. And it's going to be like the Ten Commandments of relationships. Because quite frankly, the Ten Commandments, it deals with, if you imagine the picture of a cross, our relationship with God, and then our relationship with others. And that's what the Ten Commandments are kind of all about. One of those keys to healthy relationships that actually lies inside there is the Ninth Commandment. 
um, and I don't know if you can, if you want to turn around and look over top of Nancy's head, you might be able to see it there. The ninth commandment says, thou shall not bear false witness. Uh, if we pull it up uh, in Deuteronomy, that's in Exodus 20, I think 16 is that one. But it's also in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 5, verse 20, if memory serves me right. And we'll pull it up here. I want you to just see this real quick. It says, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. We often refer to this one as don't lie. But it's more than just lying. And, and I want to kind of break this down because I want you to see how this one really starts to affect all of our relationships. And, and it affects our relationships because it's more than just lying, but this bearing false witness. When you think about the Ten Commandments, first and foremost, what God was trying to do is he was trying to set up a civilized government. He's trying to give us some rules, some moral laws to help guide us, but they were to guide us to worship him and to have relationship with one another. It was really to help us in those areas of our life, in our relationships. And in order to do that, he set out these laws, these moral laws. And without getting too deep on morality and what morality is, I'm just going to tell you the truth here. Morality is objective, not subjective, which means morality is based on a certain object, that object is God's law. It is the word of God. And even in other religions and other nations that don't necessarily worship God as we know him, the moral laws that govern them are still in the Bible. Subjective morality would mean, well, it's only right or wrong if I say it's right or wrong. And so what's right for me may not be right for you. But if it's that way, how, how do you have a law like that? How can you have a law that works for me, but it doesn't work for you? It's not fair. It's not just. People know that. People will have outcries about that. This isn't fair. God laid out these 10 moral laws, and he's just like, here it is. And, and the ninth one is, you shall not bear false witness. False witness. Keep in mind that this was moral laws meant to govern us. What would happen if somebody were to break one of God's moral laws? How do you know if they're actually guilty of it or not? I mean, this is thousands of years ago. This is before we had, you know, body cams on police officers or security cams all over. This is before everybody and their mother had a cell phone with a camera on it that could record any wrongdoing. This is before we had DNA evidence to prove that somebody was right there. It's before we were able to take fingerprints to locate people. How would we be able to determine this? Eyewitness testimonies. Eyewitness. Somebody saying, no, I saw them. They did this. They killed somebody and I watched it. They picked up a rock. They bludgeoned them over the head. I saw it. This whole witnessing, it wasn't just based off of one witness. The scripture actually says, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word will be established. And so you had to have multiple witnesses to verify that they're guilty of this crime. And back during these days, this was capital punishment time. And if you were to bear 
or give a false witness, a lying testimony, an untruthful testimony, and you were found out? Well, then you have then committed murder. Because you have accused somebody of a crime that put them to death. You're now guilty of their death if you're wrong. And and that was the degree of you shall not bear false witness. It goes beyond just, oh, if, if your wife asks if she looks fat in this dress and you say no, you know, that's a lie. No, it goes beyond that. It's it's not these 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 simple things. I mean, and it's more than just, you know, if like mom says, Hey, did you enjoy dinner last night? And the kids are like, Oh yeah, sure, that was great. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's lying, but this goes beyond just that. It goes to bearing a false witness. But the problem is that we all will wind up being guilty of bearing a false witness, but not just against others. We bear a false witness against ourselves, and we'll bear a false witness against God himself. Because God is not a man that he should lie, but men Women have a tendency to lie. And God gave us these. Like the, the, One of the best keys that you will have for your relationships is to simply be honest. Be honest. Just tell the truth. That is like the biggest key, the biggest habit that we can cultivate to have healthy relationships is honesty. Because honesty will also accompany humility. If we think about these commandments, if we think about this commandment, God not wanting us to lie, not wanting to give false statements about people, it's going to help us in creating this attitude and this habit of being honest and telling the truth like God himself does. God doesn't speak lies. There's no lie in him. But the lies are in the devil. He's the father of lies. And when we wind up lying, we're his children, not God's children. That's a good one. If you got your Bibles with you, and I hope you do, I want you to turn to the book of James because James addresses several things around this as we kind of get into the three points of today's message, which will be be honest with yourself, be honest with others, and then be honest with God. I believe that James talks about all of this and he gives us some big principles inside here. And so the first one I want you to do is I want you to go to James chapter one and I want you to look at, uh, we're going to start with verse 19. James 1, verse 19 says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. 
Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. He observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. Immediately forgets. Well, you can even go on here in the next verse. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. This one, the one who is a doer of the word and not just a hearer, the one who will actually do what the word says, it it says that verse 22, be doers of the word, not hearers only. If you're a hearer only, who are you deceiving? Yourself. Yourself, if you hear the word of God that says, don't bear false witness, don't lie, be honest, tell the truth, and then you do the opposite, if you're not doing what you just heard, you are lying to yourself. And how are you lying? Because you believe that you're a child of God, but you're acting like a child of the devil. And it not only does that, look what it says uh, here in verse, um, is it the next one? Um, No, back up, 21. Lay aside all filthiness, overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. If you didn't realize that we as human beings are three-part beings, we're created in the image of God. He is a triune being, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and He has created us in three parts just like He would be in three parts, spirit, soul, and body. And what happens is we start deceiving ourselves, we start hindering, we start injuring, we start damaging our own soul. And your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. When you lie to yourself, you can't trust yourself, you can't trust your own thoughts. This is why it's so important to be honest with ourselves. And yet too often we're not. Too often we're not being honest with ourselves because we have all of this baggage and damage that we have brought with us among the years. You ever, you know, had that individual that you've tried to talk to and, and you give them a compliment and they just won't receive the compliment? You're like, hey, that was an amazing job. You are so good at that. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Why are you lying to yourself? You're saying, oh yeah, whatever. Passing it off like you're not good? You are good. I mean, unless that person telling you they were lying. But oftentimes that's not the case because then we receive correction. And similar to this, somebody will receive correction and be like, hey, you know, you just said this and, and, and that, that really bothered me. It hurt me. Oh, I know, I can't do anything right. I'm just a horrible, wicked, evil person, and I just, I'd be better off just hiding myself in a closet and not dealing with anybody. Why are you lying to yourself? The damage that they are doing to their mind, to their emotions, to their soul, because they're lying to themselves. You made a mistake. It was a mistake. That doesn't mean 
You're a horrible being. If you guys knew how many mistakes I make on a daily basis, over and over and over again, I keep making mistakes. It just happens. I mean, the, the things that we say and the things that we believe about ourselves, oftentimes it will come from our history and it will come from our past. People have said something. People that we looked up to. People that we admired. Maybe it was people that we loved so much, like our parents, like friends. And they said something, and it stuck with us forever. And we start to believe what they say about us more than what God says about us. And then what we're doing is we're only hearing what the Word of God says. When, when God says... I love you. I gave my life for you. You're more valuable to me than my own son. I'll put his life on the line for you. And we hear that, but we don't act on it. And we don't live like it. Because we say, I'm worthless. I don't deserve this. Why would anybody love me? We're not hearing what the word is. At least not in a way that will actually act upon it. It's in one ear, it's out the other. It's like a man that walks in the mirror, inspects his face, walks away, and then I was like, what did I look like? Huh, okay. You, you forget immediately. It's like looking into the perfect law of liberty. I'm a child of God? Wow. Oh, wait. The devil says I'm worthless? Hmm. We're lying to ourselves. And we need to be honest with ourselves. But we also need to be honest with others. Turn to chapter 5 here. James chapter 5. And I want you to look at verse 16. Verse 16 says, Confess your trespasses to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Confess your trespasses. Confess your sins to one another. Con confess your sins. <laughs> you mean I, I can't just tell God my sins? I've... I, I, got to tell somebody else? I've got to confess my sin to somebody else? Well, yes. You need to do it for two different reasons. One, honesty, and two, accountability. Because if you've wronged somebody, you need to admit that you wronged them, that you made a mistake. And sometimes you've got to be even more forthright with it, not just confess it when you get caught, but confess it when you did it. Confess it because it's wrong. I had one of these moments just recently. We're, we're out driving bus. And they've got this, at the, the elementary school, there's this circle drive. And a couple years back, they made it like a one-way road. And cars are only supposed to go from west, or from east to west down it. You're not supposed to go from west to east. And it's like, okay, so we've got this one-lane road. 
Well, then we were having issues over the years. Issues because we were trying to take that one ray, but we're trying to go out onto like where Kasuth is, and, and that Kasuth Road is so busy because all the parents are picking up there, and there's just all this congestion. And so the school, they offered, they said, hey, we will do this. If you guys will stay out of this intersection, we'll make sure to keep all of the parents away from you. So we'll go out and we'll enforce it. And they did a great job. First few months, they were doing amazing. And then all of a sudden, it was like, you know, we could save ourselves like three blocks if we just, instead of heading out the way they would want us, if we just jetted back up there. And yeah, that would put us at this intersection, but I mean, we get out and we're leaving before anybody else does anyways. The parents aren't even going to be there. It's not a big deal. So some of us were doing that. I wouldn't do it in the evening. I would do it in the morning. And I, and I tried to justify it in the morning. I, I tried to justify it in the morning because in the morning, there are like no cars there. The parents can't even drop off when I'm there. Parents can't drop off till 7.45. I'm dropping off at 7.40. And there are other buses. So if I go down this back road, by the time we all turn north to go to the high school, I'm there blocking all the cars behind so the buses can keep rolling out and they don't have to wait. I'm justifying. This is a good thing. And then one afternoon, unbeknownst to all of us, the boss happened to be in a small vehicle, and he was parked there, and he's watching all of these buses. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. And this was like the worst day for him to do it, because out of our like 10 buses, two of us went the correct way, me and one other person. Everybody else went the wrong way. And he just hops on the radio. He's like, uh, is there a reason you're all going down the road you're not supposed to go down? Silence, crickets on the radio. Because we're like, who, who told? Who said what? I mean, I get like five blocks away, and then all of a sudden I see him, and I was like, oh, that's how he knew. And I finally figured it out. Well, we get back there, and we're back in the bus barn, and he's just ripping into everybody. Everybody he saw, he didn't see me. He didn't see me. So you know what I did? I said, hey, Ed, I got to apologize because I did that too. He's like, no, you didn't. I was like, no, in the morning I do it. And he's like, well, in the morning isn't that big of a deal. He said, it's the afternoon that's worse. And I was like, but you still put this rule in place. And I broke it. I'm sorry. I won't do it again. And he's just like dumbfounded. He's like, why did you just tell on yourself? <laughs> I was like, it's, it's wrong. Wrong is wrong. And I did wrong. And then I just, I asked myself this question. What kind of an individual would make such a mistake to do the wrong thing over and over and over again? What kind of an individual does that? A human. A human. You see, we'll start to beat ourselves up in, before we've ever admitted, before we've ever confessed a fault. Because we're thinking about all the punishment, and we're thinking about how bad we were, and we shouldn't have done it, and I don't want to be found out. But if we'll just be honest, if we'll be honest and actually have a little bit of humility in saying that, you know what, I'm a human being, and I made a mistake. If we will do that, all of a sudden, we can start to fix these things. 
And this happens with our relationships when we're dealing with somebody else. Just because they didn't catch us doesn't mean it wasn't wrong. Confess it. And sometimes we need accountability. And sometimes it's not an individual that we've necessarily wronged. Maybe it's God that we've wronged. But we need to have an accountability partner. Somebody to be able to go up to and say, hey, man, I, I, I made a big mistake. And just confess that. Confess that sin to somebody. I am fascinated at, at human beings because we have a tendency of always looking at ourselves through like rose-colored glasses. I mean, we, we talk about all of these like personality types. When we were doing the marriage ministry, we, we learned a lot about personality types. And it always shocked me because everybody would come in and they'd look at their personality and be like, oh, I'm an ESTJ. I'm amazing. And I'd be like, yeah, you're broken and flawed. Because we always look at these as our strengths rather than our weaknesses. Have you ever seen somebody do like, you know, uh, an email signature? I mean, for a long time, my email signature was telling who I am. So I'm a, you know, a husband, a father, a pastor, a bearded black coffee lover who speaks as the oracles of God. And that was like my little tagline. But I didn't put on there, I'm a liar, I'm a cheater, I'm a sinner, and I'm rebellious towards God. We're not going to point out our, our flaws. Because a lot of times we don't even want to acknowledge them. But what we found through the marriage ministry is when we acknowledge our weaknesses, we're able to grow in that weak area. When we're dealing with other people, you may have a new boss, you may have a new employee, and all of a sudden you're like, man, this person's an idiot. How did they ever get this job? What is wrong with the world? Because we think we're so amazing. Do you ever think that maybe they're looking at you and being like, man, this guy's an idiot. How did he ever get this job? Never. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of like Dr. Henry Cloud. He uh, does a lot of like relationship books. And in one of his books, he was talking about there are three types of human beings. There's the wise, there's the foolish, and then there's the evil. Wise, foolish, and evil. And when I read that, I was like, yeah. Because all of a sudden, I could look back through every single person, all of you included, and I'm like, yeah. Yeah, there's some, some wise and some foolish here. We've already got rid of all the evil people, just so you know. But uh, wise and, and foolish, at least here. Don't, don't laugh. It's biblical to get rid of the, the, the evil ones. See, look at this. Actually, uh, Nancy, pull up Proverbs 9.8. So Proverbs 9.8, it says, Don't correct a scoffer or a foolish person lest he hate you, but rebuke a wise man and he will love you. See, here's the thing. Uh, actually, jump over to verse 9. Yeah, back to verse 9. Give instruction to a wise man and he will be still wiser. A wise man, when you correct a wise person, you're like, hey, you messed up. They're like, oh, I did? How? Because they want to fix it. And then they're wiser still. You try to correct a scoffer, go back to verse 8, you try to correct a fooler, foolish person, and it says they're going to hate you. You know what happens when you correct a foolish person? S-I-N. Switch the topic, ignore the facts, or start name-calling. That's what they do. They sin. 
You, you do that to a foolish person, you're like, no, you made a mistake. No, 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 no. I didn't make a mistake. My teacher's an imbecile. They shouldn't be teaching in the first place. They, they don't know how to instruct me. Somebody needs to can that person. You're a fool. You're a fool because you're not receiving correction. You need to learn how to adapt to that individual. A foolish person. Oh, I'm going to tell on myself here, bad. <clears throat> and then I know a couple of you are going to be like, oh, you did that just to insult me. Pull up your big britches and get ready. Are you going to be a fool or are you going to be wise? Driving down the interstate. And all of a sudden there's this little old lady. Why is it always the little old lady? Very rarely is it the little old man. Occasionally, but very rarely. Little old lady right in my lane. There's a double yellow line. I can't pass and you can't read the speed limit signs. Go. You're slowing me up. And then all of a sudden, my wife's like, relax. It's not that big. No, I'm not going to relax. Somebody needs to pull her license. <laughs> Fool. Because I wouldn't receive the correction. Now, all of a sudden, I, I've, I've grown a little bit. I wouldn't say I'm as foolish in that area. I'm more wise. Now, all of a sudden, she's like, do you really need to be speeding? <sighs> no, honey, I don't. And then other times I'm like, yes, honey, I do. We get to swerve and weave in between traffic. And then you've got your evil person. Your evil person. The evil person, they won't listen. Like, because even, here's the thing with the, the, let me go back to the foolish person. You know how you want to correct a wise person with words. Tell the wise person they did something wrong and the words will correct them. If you have an evil person or a uh, foolish person, and you want to correct them, words will not work. Punishment is the only thing that works. Punishment is the only thing that works. If you've ever had like that employee and being in workplace environments, we had one of these where I was supposed to be like a team leader. And we had this one guy that always showing up late, always wouldn't show up on time, never show up on time. And finally, the boss gave me the opportunity to take care of this and deal it. And I said, you give me full autonomy to take care of this. Yes. Whatever you need. I'm like, sweet. So I went to him and we'll, we'll say for the sake of argument, his name is Bob. And I'm like, hey, Bob. It's, it's not Bob, but for the sake of argument, Bob. I was like, hey, Bob. So we've told you time and time again that your shift starts at 3 p.m. and you need to be here at 3 p.m. So for every minute you are late, you're not getting paid for those minutes. You're also going to get a reprimand. And according to the employee handbook, after you've done this three times, you're going to get docked even more pay, which means you'll wind up missing work. And after so many offenses, you're fired. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Okay. So the next day he was 15 minutes late. He didn't like the fact that he just lost five bucks. He's like, what? What, what did you do? Why is my paycheck short? Oh, you were late. This happened day after day after day. You know when you do it every single day? And then all of a sudden it's like, you're five minutes, you're 15 minutes, and, and according to our policies, we round it up to the quarter hour. Oh, 
That was 16 minutes. That's actually 30 minutes that you weren't here. And when that happened every single day, and all of a sudden he looks at his paycheck and he's $100 short, he's worried. Show up. And he also didn't like it when then he got suspended, I guess is what we called it for a week. You're out. You don't come to work at all this week. And when you come back, one more offense and you're fired. You know what happened to that guy? He actually started showing up 15 minutes early every day. All of a sudden, he could figure it out. You know, when I was like this wicked person that wants to drive all over the place and go crazy, and I'm thinking, little old lady, you won't go. And she's got her turn signal on. We're there on Highway 92. Turn signal, blink, 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 blink. And there's a string of cars coming because, lady, if you would just gun it, gun it, and you can make that turn. Gun it, and you'll make that turn. If you don't, I see the string of 30 cars. Gun it, make the turn. Doesn't make the turn. Wait. Blink, 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 blink. You know what? I've had enough of this. I'm taking the shoulder and going around. I take the shoulder, I go around, and all of a sudden there's the state trooper with the lights on. <laughs> this fool got punished because that happened to have been my third moving violation in six months, and they took my license. And then I had to go to class, and then they had to teach me how to drive again. I don't know how to drive. It's everybody else that doesn't know how to drive. <laughs> They punished me. And then because I had my license suspended, I have to get SR-22 insurance and pay more money. You know what? The punishment was so painful, I stopped doing the wrong things. For the most part. <laughs> but the evil individual, you'll never be able to correct. No punishment will correct them. And if you've got those employees, they just, you've, you've tried. You've tried to talk to them. You've talked, you've talked, you've talked, and it just doesn't work. You tried punishing them, you tried docking their pay, you tried giving them write-ups, you tried everything you can, and it still doesn't work. You know what the Bible says you do at that point? Because they're not wise, they're not foolish, they're evil. And in Titus chapter 3, verse 10, look at this one. Reject a divisive man after the first and second admonition. Reject them, they're done. They're done. No. I mean, some of you have been around here long enough to remember there was an individual. Uh, uh, hey, it was a little old man sitting there. Corrected him once, corrected him twice. And you know what I did after the second one? You're out. Don't ever come back here again. I, I can deal with the wise. I can deal with the fools. I can't deal with the evil ones. And I shouldn't deal with the evil ones. And you shouldn't either. But to deal with those wise ones, and we should all strive to be wise, the best thing that we can do is give them words of correction. And what we can do to be wise is receive words of correction. When somebody says you did something wrong, think, maybe I did something wrong. That's part of having humility too. And in James chapter 4, look what it says in verse 6. Verse 6, it says, He gives grace 
gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Humble yourself. I made a mistake. That means I'm a human being. I'm not God. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with others. Confess those sins to them when you've made a mistake. And get somebody in your life that will just call you out on all of your mistakes. And if they're not calling you out because they didn't know about it, offer it up to them. Hey, made a mistake. Got any advice for me? And by the way, if if you ever come to me and you're like, hey, I made a mistake. Have you got any advice to me? Here's my advice. Stop it. <laughs> just, just stop. You heard the word. Now do the word. Just obey God. So we have to be honest with ourselves, honest with others, and we also have to be honest with God. We've got to be honest with God because we act like children a lot of times. You, I see this on like America's Funniest Home Videos. I see this on the internet and we all think it's cute, you know, where a, a child, they get caught doing something or it's like all of a sudden, you know, you get mom or dad come walking up to him and they're like, what is that behind your back? Nothing. And we, we laugh and we giggle about it. And as parents, we're like, really? I'm smarter than you. Hey, who got into all of the, the markers? with marker all over their face. Uh, I don't know, wasn't me. Holding a marker in their hand. I, I didn't do it. Are you sure? Because your face is kind of saying you did. Mm-mm. You want to look in the mirror? Uh-uh. And I imagine God's doing the same thing with You've sinned. You've made a mistake. And you think God doesn't know? You think you can keep it from him? He already knows. He saw you do it. He knew you were going to do it before you even did it. And you know what? He already paid the punishment for that mistake before you ever did it. He's already taken care of it. The reason that we need to be able to be honest with God is because it humbles us. It brings humility to us where we're saying, I'm, I'm not God. Oftentimes we try to sit there and be so arrogant and so full of pride. I don't, need to, I don't need God's help on this. I can take care of this myself. Sounds like a fool to me. You don't need God? Of course you need God. In everything. You feel like your teacher's being an imbecile? You need God to help you deal with the imbecile. If you've got an employee that just won't receive correction, don't think you can do it by yourself. You need God. To not only be able to administer the mercy and the grace, but also the righteousness. Because there are some times that we just have to get rid of them. But we're like, oh, but God's so loving and he's so merciful and he's so gracious and, and they, they deserve a, a second chance. This is their fifth chance. Get rid of them. Ah, but I, I don't know. You need God. You can't do this on your own. See, we need these in all of our relationships and we need to make sure that God is there because this all, being dishonest, giving a false witness against ourselves, against others, and even with God, 
It damages our spirit, our soul, and our body. It damages and leaves this mark on all of it. And we have to be upfront and honest with God about it. We've got to be truthful with him. I want to finish with this last passage. So turn with me to Psalms chapter 32. And I promise this will wrap up quick. I didn't even set my timer, which means I'm probably at like 40 some minutes by now. Psalm chapter 32. And we're going to read verse 1 through 4. Psalm chapter 32, this is David writing this out, singing this out, whatever he did with this. Psalm 32, verse 1, he says, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones grew old, though my groaning all the day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. Uh, let's, let's hit verse 5 actually here. I acknowledge my sin to you, and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Blessed is he whose sins are forgiven whose transgressions are then covered. Blessed is he who David has said, I will confess my sins to God. I'm going to confess them to the Lord. You see, if you noticed back there in James, it was talking about how when we're not doing what the word says, our soul then needs saved. But we look here and David is saying, these bless the man who does the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. So we've seen soul. We see spirit. And in the very next one, we see the body. When I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. He talks about how God's hand was heavy upon him. He felt the weight of his sin and his mess. But when he confesses it, the spirit's free. The soul's saved. The body doesn't feel the pressure anymore. You see, being dishonest, being deceitful will affect every part of our being and it starts affecting every other relationship we have. It's really just as simple as being honest. Just be honest. Don't embellish. Don't exaggerate. Just be honest. If we will do that, all of a sudden, we're cultivating this habit that does create healthy relationships, not just with us and others, but with us and God. 